Hello and welcome to Nickcast with me, Marie Urshard. Well, my special guest for this edition is Diane Reed Jackson. Now she's a travel professional who has planned and will be running a special tour which is called London, Bath and Wales. An extraordinary journey for crafters who love books. Diane, uh, tell us more about the tour. The tour is actually hosted by Heather Ordover of the Craft Lit podcast and Amy Singer of Nitty.com. We are going to have lots of fun. First of all, we've got three nights. We're not moving around a lot. We have three nights in London and then three nights in Cardiff and a night back in London at the end. So, you know, you're not moving every night, which is very, very nice. And we're staying at some hotel properties that are just right in the heart of all the action. So in London, we're staying at the Rembrandt Hotel, which is right across the street from the Victorian Albert Museum. And if you go out on the pavement or the sidewalk right in front of the hotel, look to the right, you can see Herod's right from in front of the hotel. During our time there, we're going to do a very nice city tour with a bit of a literary bent. We're going to have a meetup with local knitters at iKnit London. And for people in the UK, there will be a book signing with Amy Singer of Nitty.com. So if you want an opportunity to meet Amy Singer or Heather Ordover, that opportunity will be there as well. We're going to see, and this is the big announcement, the theater performance that we'll be seeing is Oliver. So that will be very exciting. Uh, also a private tour of the Victorian Albert Museum. Then on to Bath. We're going to tour the Roman Baths, have admission to the Jane Austen Center, and there is a wonderful fashion museum in Bath as well, and time to shop and have a bit of lunch. Oh, I must say, I've heard things about the Bath Fashion Museum. I've never actually been there, but it is supposed to be fabulous. Yes, and very nice. A lot of nice historic pieces. I went to check it out in February. Bath in February is wonderful. <laughs> bit chilly. I was going to say, I, I thought you were serious for a second. <laughs> uh, I did go to check it out in February. Yeah. <laughs> And oh was, no! I meant about the weather. Before. Oh no! It, was, it <laughs> is yes. It is. It is. Um, you know, it's beautiful, beautiful yeah. city. But yes, cold in February. <laughs> it was a bit nippy. <laughs> now after Bath, I think then the trip heads into Wales. Is that right? Yes. And that evening we're going to have a banquet. We're going into Cardiff, and we're staying at the Cardiff Hilton, which is within walking distance to the um, castle and a lot of shops and pubs and things. And um, that first evening, we're going to have a tour of the Cardiff Castle and a castle banquet, which I was able to preview previously as well and is just tons of fun. Lots of singing, lots of Welsh food and lots of fun. Well, you know, I'll do anything I can to big up Wales. So, yes, you will have lots of fun in Cardiff. <laughs> yes. But I am slightly biased because I love Cardiff. Yes. Uh, we're going to spend a day going up to Hay on Wye. And prior to that, uh, make a stop at Tintern Abbey. And Heather Ordover of the Craft Lit podcast, we're going to do a bit with the Wordsworth poem there. And spend a day shopping in Hay on Wye. There's over, I think, 50 independent bookshops and used and antiquarian bookshops. And there's a little shop called Shepherd's that has sheep's milk ice cream. And then on the way back, because it is a staid and very serious tour, we're going to have whiskey tasting at Penduran Distillery on the way back. 
Yes, I've never tasted Pendarin whiskey, but I, I have heard good things about that. <laughs> I've seen that they have a wonderful cream whiskey called Merlin's. Yes, because of course, yes, Merlin and King Arthur are supposed to have um, Welsh origins. Yes. I don't know a great deal about that, but <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm um, assuming Heather will know more about that. Oh, definitely. And then that evening, the wonderful knitters of the Cardiff area have put together a meetup with three different knitting groups, it sounds like, at Rummer's Tavern. So we're going to have an opportunity to meet up with local knitters above Rummer's Tavern, which is a very historic tavern. And I've heard very good things about it. I've, I'm assuming you've been there. I have actually. Um, not recently. I, funny enough, I, I remember going there a lot when I was 19. Uh, so that's nearly 20 years ago. But it, it is a very, very nice tavern. And it is quite historic. It's got a very Tudor design. And yes, again, it, it's very close to the lovely castle. Based on the little chit-chat on Ravelry, the Cardiff Knitters asking us to come and meet with them, we're feeling very welcomed and very excited to meet the local knitters in the area. Well, I was going to say it would be a shame if you didn't get a welcome in Wales because we're supposedly yeah. known for our welcomes. But yes, um, yes I, I remember, I think it was when I'd just been uh, in discussions with uh, yourself and Amy about doing something about the tour. A friend of mine who's on uh, the Cardiff Knitters Ravelry group had already, uh, Amy had already seen that the tour was happening and said, oh, wow, maybe we could meet up with them. And which is lovely, you know, because it does show that there is such a community of knitters wherever you go, really, you always get welcomed. That's right. Mm. Also, during our time in, in Wales, we're going to soak up some angst at Dylan Thomas's boathouse <laughs> in Larn and then visit the little seaside village of Tenby. We're going to have a walking tour and learn about the, the painters and poets that visited there and lived there. And then on to the Welsh Wool Museum. And our last day, we're going to visit St. Fagans. They've brought in um, buildings and things from all over Wales to preserve them. And yes. it's wonderful. You can wander and wander, and the bake shop has wonderful barabrith. Am I saying that correctly? That's right. That's a sort of a tea bread, but they do. The bakery there is mm -hmm. fantastic, and they make sort of traditional bread, sort of made to the sort of really sort of traditional methods. And you're quite right. They've got buildings, sort of historic buildings from all over the country that they have reassembled there, and you can walk through. It is like a, like a little town or a village, and there are people sort of wearing the uh, traditional clothes of the time, who would tell you exactly how people in Wales lived. It's a fascinating place. I'm sure you have great fun yes. there. It's just, oh, it is really just a, it is a wonderful living museum. Yes. Then for a bit of fun at the end, we're spending the last night at the Crown Plaza near the Heathrow Airport. <laughs> and for a bit of fun, um, the very first book that Heather covered on her Craft Lit podcast was Pride and Prejudice. And there was a series where they had done that and then A Tale of Two Cities, Tristan and Isolde. And she'd gotten what she had called the hot men of craft lit. And I knew I had to incorporate this in the tour somehow. Yes. And I found um, the history wardrobe. They do historic costumes and they do a lot of presentations for ladies' societies and literary societies. 
And I found they had one. I was looking for a Mr. Darcy to either have pictures taken with the group or whatever. And they had a presentation called Undressing Mr. Darcy. And I knew I had to have it. <laughs> so, you know, I was turned to thinking, should I ask it why? Why this interest in undressing Mr. Darcy? And then I thought, maybe I shouldn't go there. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's fun. And, you know, actually, we have about 30 people signed up on the tour right now, and it seems to be a highlight for a lot of people. And, you know, who uh, the average person would not think that literary and knitting types would be interested in whiskey tasting and <laughs> watching a literary figure undress. But, you know, it just adds a bit of fun. Yes. Never underestimate knitters and crafters. That's what I say. <laughs> That's right. And what is really fun about this tour, right now I said, like I said, we've got 30 people reserved on the tour. Final payment is the 15th of June, so we still have some space left and can take some more reservations. We've got people from all over the U.S. and Canada and also someone currently from Northern Ireland, so we can take people from anywhere. And the neat thing is the very, very interesting people who currently are signed up on the trip. Uh, we have uh, other podcasters. I have novelists. I have a woman signed up on the tour who teaches journaling as therapy and creative expression. I'm just amazed the more I learn about each of the people that are currently signed up on the tour. If you've not heard about the Craft Lit podcast previously, that's where we got the journeys for crafters who love books. I was a longtime listener of her podcast, and it's like a mini lit class. It's wonderful. Heather Ordover makes it lots of fun. She takes a book in the public domain and breaks it down into chapters, and we'll do a bit of her crafty nitty talk in the beginning, and then teach a chapter from the book as if it's a, a, a literature course. And so previous to this whole thing coming up, I'd be have my iPod on and uh, be out cleaning out my garden in the fall, listening and learning all about the romantic poets or whatever. I incorporated as a longtime listener of Craftlet things that I knew that Craftlet listeners would enjoy. And as I tell people at holiday vacations here, I am my target market. So... <laughs> It's been easy for me to put together and loads of fun. Oh, well, it sounds great. I must admit, I don't think I have yet listened to a craftlet, although it is on uh, my list of things to listen to. I can't remember if I did listen to uh, one on which uh, Rachel Heron was interviewed um, about her book, How to Knit a Love Song. Um, oh, yes. But it does sound fantastic stuff. And as you say, you're there clearing out your garden or whatever and learning all about um, novels and ha having an English lesson, basically, an English yes. lit lesson. I mean, how fantastic mm -hmm. is that? It does just show the kind of amazing scope that there is within podcasts. Yes. We just don't yes. realize. Actually, I'm a very addicted. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing at all. You're a knitter and a crafter. Heather put out this call on Craftlit for travel agents. And you just responded or? Yes. Last spring, Heather had just during her chit chat portion of the podcast had said, if any of you out there are a travel agent, please contact me. I have a question for you. So I sent her off an email and 
we just, this whole thing sort of grew from there. And then I knew I would be meeting with her at Sock Summit last August. And she was rooming with Amy, and that's when we brought Amy on board, um, Amy Singer from Nitty.com. And, you know, the whole thing just sort of blossomed. Well, sort of came, came together. What is Sock Summit like, just out of interest? Oh, Sock Summit was wonderful. I knew I wanted to go to the very first Sock Summit. It was put together by, um, oh gosh. This is the, Stephanie Pearl McPhee, the yarn Stephanie Pearl McPhee and the independent dyer who does socks. Uh, oh, well, Socks at Rock. Yes. And, oh, I don't um, know that lady's name. I've, I love Socks at Rock, though. I have, I yes, have some skeins. Um, I think I've got that right. Um, and they decided to put in together this conference just on sock knitting. Um, it was this huge lollapalooza of all these wonderful teachers, Priscilla Gibson Roberts, Meg Swanson, wow. Nancy Bush. It was just this huge group of teachers you never would expect to see together ever, ever again. And I know the day they opened it up for reservations on the internet, they crashed their server and I yes. zoomed home on my noon hour to, you know, to make a reservation yes. and, you know, lost things and got it back and finally got several classes and it's all very exciting. I know they're going to do it again next year in 2011. Mm. And I don't know for sure I, I, if they'll be doing it in Portland again or not. You'd, you'd have to check online. But it was a wonderful experience. Yes, it's just amazing, isn't it? Because when you think about it, socks are so small. And yet there is so much interest and love and passion and design in sock knitting. I love knitting socks. And there's still so much that, you know, that I haven't done with socks and so many possibilities and as you say, you get a bunch of sock knitters together trying to get onto um, the sock summit and they crash the server. It's just brilliant. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's just, well, just like, I'd love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. And the people at the convention center were completely incredulous continually <laughs> because they could not believe that amount of people would want to come. <laughs> yes. It's, I know, it's again, it's the uh, people who don't knit or perhaps, you know, don't enjoy knitting socks. Sometimes it's quite difficult for them to get their head around it. I know some of the reactions I've had when I've been knitting socks and be like, why are you bothering knitting those? The, to then understand from that point, the kind of whole subculture in the community, in the knitting community about, around knitting socks, it just, I think it would just uh, boggles the mind of the non-knitter or the non-sock knitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> and as you say, so you're at the Sock Summit and you, you get to talk to Heather and to talk to the lovely Amy. Because mm -hmm. I've, I've interviewed Amy twice. And I should say, I'm going to uh, meet up with you guys when, when you're in uh, the Cardiff area for the tour. Yes, we're kidnapping you and taking you along <laughs> to Hay on Y. Yeah, she's forcing me to go to Hay on Y, which uh, is going to be a, an ordeal, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Was it difficult planning things or rather... Were there things that you would have liked to have included in the tour, but maybe weren't able to? Or? The difficult part was, is there's so much good stuff. We had to keep, mm. you know, we wanted to make it a week long so that people who work for a living could t easily take a vacation and take the trip. And we also wanted to keep it fairly reasonable in cost. So, of course, 
excuse me, um, you know, we would have loved to go down to Cornwall. And, you know, the Lakes District is so beautiful. And there's a lot of literary stuff up there, too. We're just going to have to do more than one trip. And, of course, there's Ireland and Scotland and Paris, which is not in the U.K., but, you know... Oh, a knitter's trip of Paris. Yeah. I mean, I've done the sort of singular knitter's trip of Paris, my own one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, there's so much to see. Now, and as you've indicated there, there are going to be more, hopefully more um, tours like this in the future. Yes, we're planning on doing this annually. And we will announce the 2011 trip during the London Bath and Wales trip. And, and the people who go this year will, you know, will have first stab. Mm-hmm at an opportunity for next year. Of course, we were talking about um, your interest in sock knitting, but how long have you been um, sort of interested in fiber arts? Oh, goodness. I did learn to knit as a child. Um, However, previously, I was heavily involved in the Embroiderers Guild for quite a number of years. And then in right around 96, 97, I just got this hankering to go back to knitting and then just fell over the edge. Mm. So, you know. (laughs) I Um, do. I do. Yes. Yeah. So I love the ethnic forms of knitting. I love doing stranded work and cables, lots of things like that. But when you say you're interested in the ethnic forms of knitting, are those the more sort of traditional forms of knitting, as you were saying about colour work? Right. Traditional forms. Oh, I also love lace as well. I I sort of go in streaks. Um, Right now, I've just picked up Knitting Brioche by Nancy Merchant, who lives in the Netherlands, and I'm really, really enjoying exploring a brioche stitch right now. I've not got that book, but I've seen it. It's one of those stitches I've not knitted yet, uh-huh. but um, it's one of those ones that just looks, I don't know, there's just something about that stitch, a real kind of pull attraction for me. Yes, well, and really what got me excited about the book is she's done such a wonderful and complete tome on it. She takes you right from the very beginning how to do each stitch. There's like a stitch dictionary. Who would have known you could do two-color cables in brioche knitting? You know, she's taken the whole thing just above and beyond, and there's lots to explore there. Oh, wonderful. Um, And you spin as well, I think. Is that true? I do spin. Mm-hmm. Not as much as I'd like. I uh, recently split a, a fleece from a local fiber festival mm-hmm. with a friend from my fiber guild, and we've pledged to each other to have spun up our half of the seven-pound fleece by next May. Wow. <laughs> Spinning is something that I've, I've stayed away from for my own good. Uh-huh. You're also a knitting teacher as well, but sort of on the side from your day job in the yes. travel industry. It's one of those fun hobby jobs that, you know, when when you're all done, you can't believe they're paying you too. Those are good jobs. (laughs) Yes. And I really enjoy teaching. I have a big belief in that some people are very, very hesitant to try an entire sweater. Some of the newer knitters. And Mm. yeah, if you take a whole sweater and you break it into bits and teach it in four parts, several months 
a part. So people have opportunity to complete each part and have enough time to go on with the group that they'd be more willing to try. So I've taught things like Norwegian sweater construction and errands and things like that. Well, that's fine because it's... It's always a bit of a shame when, when people get sort of put off from doing something because they think it's going to be too hard. And like you say, knitting a whole sweater, it's not not necessarily hard. I mean, it's like anything. Once you get into it and into the swing of it, was it like I read somewhere somebody had said, oh, you know, they treated knitting a sleeve as their gauge swatch. I thought that's quite a good idea, actually. <laughs> oh, actually, that's one of my big yeah. things. I always do sleeves as gauge swatches. <laughs> And I do them first, too. Yes. I do because you know how it is. You're very, very excited in the beginning of a project. Oh, and, yes. and if you start with the body, when you've got all this momentum going, and then you get done, you've got those gosh darn sleeves to do next. Mm -hmm. So I start with the sleeves, and then you're still excited, and you can start the body. And then when the directions say to go on to the yes. sleeves, <laughs> you're done already. It's like second sock syndrome. <laughs> Right. You know, how right. you get all excited by the first one. It's like, oh, goodness, another one now. You know? Right. <laughs> so I do sleeves first. I'm a sleeves first kind of girl. And what do your colleagues think at uh, holiday vacations about this crafting tour and uh, your involvement oh. in it? Yeah, I was actually very excited to get permission from my boss to go ahead with this because normally we don't do things like this. But years ago, I've got a funny little story. Um, we employ all of our own tour directors and many of us that are, work in the office also take tours out several times a year and we have this meeting called the annual meeting where we bring our tour directors in from all over the country and have this big meeting it's lots of fun it's always fun to get together in a room of like 80 people where everybody likes to talk and be in charge <laughs> but um, <laughs> we would go around the room and say what the most exciting thing is that happened to you that year and that particular year was the first year I went to make Swanson's knitting camp ah, so I yes. stood up in front of all these tour directors. And I said, this year I went to knitting camp and I had silence. Mm. And people are looking at me like, and you liked it? Yeah, they're probably looking actually like you're from another planet. Yes. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So that was my moment there. But now with this, um, actually people are, because this tour is being marketed only on the internet and it's a little more specialty driven, I do have a lot of fans rooting for me here and hoping that we'll be quite successful with this. Oh, well, fingers crossed that this will, you know, as you say, just be the first of many crafty tours across the whole world. Gosh. Imagine you could go to, I, I was just thinking of the kind of like even the, you know, the traditional knitting that you like to knit. You could do a whole tour like that, couldn't you, over Norway or anything. Gosh, so many possibilities. So, Diane, if people want to check out some more details about the tour and maybe even book a place on it, where should they go? Well, the easiest way to get to the brochure online is to go to www.craftlit, which is C R A ftlit.com to go to the homepage for the Craftlit website. And then in the upper right hand corner is a little link for the tour. And if you click on that, it'll take you directly to the online brochure. Or if you're in the United States, you can also call me directly at 800-826-2266. 
Oh, thank you very much, Diane. Thanks uh, for joining me today. And there will, of course, be links to more information about the tour in the Nickcast show notes. I'm Maria Ashad, and that was Nickcast. Thanks for listening.